by your Spirit, illuminate our hearts and minds through your word, that we may follow you more faithfully. Amen. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred as your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13, and then verses 18 through 26. Listen for what the Spirit is speaking today. As Jesus was walking along, he called Matthew, sitting at the tax collection station. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things, suddenly a leader came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that moment. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread through all of the district. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. God of grace, you invite the despised. You touch the unclean. You lift the head of those 
who are brought low. Give us that hope against all hope for a world transformed by your healing touch. Through Jesus Christ, the mercy of God. Amen. If I were forced to pick my favorite Disney movie, I would pick Moana. A story about a young woman discovering her calling. It is the hero's journey that's been told thousands of times in different ways and variations, but this one is my favorite. Moana is the daughter of the village chief on a small Pacific island, and everyone is looking to her to be their next leader. And her father assures her that their island provides for all their needs, and so the key to happiness is to fulfill your role on the island and to never leave. And while Moana loves her people and she loves her island, she feels called by the sea to voyage into the unknown. So when disease breaks out on the island vegetation, Moana leaves her home to find hope for her people. She answers the call of the sea and she journeys into the unknown. And her world is never the same again. Moana answers the call on her life. Will we? Last week we heard the creation story from Genesis 1, and we heard how everyone is made in the image of God, that we all bear the divine DNA. And part of what it means to be created in the image of God is to have a calling placed upon our lives. See, a calling is higher than a job, it is deeper than a career. And all of us have a calling. Do you know what your calling is? Well, today we hear the call of Abram, one of the most significant turning points in all of Scripture. And our reading, of course, is from Genesis chapter 12. And last week we read from Genesis 1, which means we skipped over chapters 2 through 11. And some pretty important stuff happens in those chapters between the time that God creates the world and calls it good and the call of Abram, well, a big mess is made. Uh, The world which began in beauty and harmony and delight doesn't stay that way. Things get messy. Sin enters the world. Adam and Eve are exiled from the Garden of Eden. Envy and shame and violence take root in the human heart when Cain kills his brother Abel and things only get worse from there. The world of perfect love that God made begins to fall apart. Things get so bad that God actually wonders whether or not he should have created the world in the first place. And as things continue to spin out of control, when it appears as though all hope is lost, that's when God calls Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God calls Abram, tells him I'm going to make you into a great nation and through you and your offspring everybody's going to get in on this blessing. And that That right there is God's pattern. 
to choose a particular person or people and through those chosen people to bless everyone else as well. God moves from the particular to the universal. And the fact that God chooses particular people, this can actually be offensive to us. Right? We wonder, why does God choose Abram and not some other person? What's so special about him? And Abram, in many ways, isn't special. His moral failings are significant. He exiles his firstborn son, Ishmael, and his mother, Hagar. And out of fear for himself, he will endanger his wife, Sarah, in the presence of powerful and predatory men, not just once, but twice. So why does God choose Abram? The Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament that Abram's great virtue was his faith, that he trusted God to keep God's promises. I suppose that's true to a point, (laughs) but even that feels like a stretch. All of Abram's moral failings come from not trusting God and instead depending upon himself. And so here, right at the beginning of Scripture, we have one of the great mysteries of God. That God calls Abram not because Abram is good, but because God delights in choosing weak and vulnerable people to display divine mercy. That's that's just how God does things. But that's not how we would do things, is it? If we were writing the story, we would have God call the brightest and the best. But God instead calls the, the dim and the losers. Because to God, everyone belongs and everyone is loved. And there is no better way of demonstrating that than by calling the lowest and the least. That's what grace means. And while we like grace for ourselves, it also offends us, doesn't it? It offends us when we are used to thinking of ourselves as the brightest and the best. But God isn't worried about offending us. God's too busy loving us to worry about that. So God calls Abram to bless the entire world, that through this one chosen family, all families might know themselves to be chosen and loved as well. This is the original calling of the people of Israel, to bless everybody on God's green earth. But somewhere along the way, that calling gets muffled a bit. Instead of blessing all the peoples of the earth, God's people become known for holiness, for following the rules and not fraternizing with those who don't. And so religion, both then and now, is often known not for who we bless, but for who we exclude. This week I met a couple of uh, young adults outside of Ace Hardware, and they were raising money for mental health uh, services and programs and anti-bullying programs for youth in Franklin County. And as they told me their spiel, they told me that youth who are most likely to be bullied and to have mental health problems are LGBTQ youth. They asked me if I knew that. I said, I, actually, I did know that. And then they asked, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And they were both shocked. I said, 
you know, can you be a pastor and embrace the LGBT community? Because they had never heard of that before. And while I was saddened by this, I was also not surprised. The Christian church, like Abram, is called to bless everyone on earth. We who have received the blessing of God are called to be a blessing. And yet, sadly, we are more often known not for who we bless, but for who we exclude. But it doesn't have to be that way, does it? It's time to reclaim our calling. In the gospel reading for today, we see that Jesus extends the gracious call of Abram to the despised and the unclean. He calls Matthew a tax collector, one of the most hated people of that time. And he eats and drinks with sinners, offending the people who like to think of themselves as the brightest and the best. Yet Jesus is undeterred. He says, you know, those who are well have no need for a physician. Only those who are sick. So go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And the grace doesn't stop there, does it? <laughs> like a caravan, the grace of God just moves along with Jesus, extending healing to an unclean woman, raising a beloved daughter from the dead. Jesus' mercy, like God's, knows no end. It makes room for all. And this is the whole point of our call. We who have been called and chosen by God, we are not called merely to receive grace, but to be conduits of it. That those who have been excluded and despised, that they too might know that they are chosen and beloved. That's the whole point. But we often miss it. Richard Rohr writes, it's not that God likes anyone better or that they are more worthy than the rest. God's chosenness is for the sake of communicating chosenness to everybody else. This is the paradox. What first feels like exclusivity is finally and fully for the sake of inclusivity. And that is exactly right. If the church is to answer Jesus' call, then we will be known for who we bless and who we include. That is our calling. See, healthy religion, it, it's, it's like a, a river. It flows like a river, washing over us and moving us into new places and spaces and people. And religion becomes unhealthy when the flow stops with us. Because then the river becomes a pond. You know what grows in ponds? Pond scum. See, the church is meant to swim in the river of God's grace, flowing fresh and free. The calling of God will take us to places we never expected that we'd go, into the great unknown, and this can be so scary. It was scary to Abram and to Moana. But when we dare to answer God's call, to become conduits of grace to the despised and to the excluded, we will discover the life that we were always meant to live. We'll learn that in the end, there really is no us in them. There's just us, all loved, all called. See, a calling is higher than a career or a job. You've been called and chosen by God to be a conduit of blessing 
to the hurting and the excluded. Your sacred calling is to share the same mercy that you've received. Because at one point, you too were despised and excluded, considered unclean. And God came near to you and blessed you and said, why don't you eat with me? Let's share a drink together because you are God's beloved. And no amount of envy or shame or sin can ever change that fact. God is calling you, beloved. How will you answer? Let's pray.